I'm Moner. I'm Axis. And this is another episode of what we're going to begin calling The Safe Room. You've got the time. We've got the time. We figured we'd keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. And uh, we did remember to introduce ourselves, which I think we don't always do. We've We've been talking about, you know, what to kind of do with these episodes. And one of the things we talked about was that... We feel like we should let you guys get to know us better. Also, we should get to know each other better. And so my first concept for this was uh, I was thinking about those those kind of posts that I've seen online. That's like the hundred best questions to know. It's like to ask to get to know somebody well. And I was like, oh, that could be cute. And I looked them up and I thought they were all stupid and annoying questions. So I, uh, I immediately nixed that. And went to a master, was... a master of asking questions. I did. I did. So, um... My sister is the best. She is 13, going on 14. It's a very exciting time. Her birthday is the end of the month. But she is the queen of asking the most absurd questions. Um, And this just happens constantly in our house. Like, the real classic is like, would you rather have this awful name or this awful name? And she (laughs) holds the entire family hostage to choosing if you'd rather be named, like, Jimothy or Bobbert. Um, (laughs) I know a Bobbert. I have a Bobbert. So that's awesome. (laughs) Well, apparently you two would get along well. Um, but so I had her in, in this vein write down a, a whole list of questions for me. Um, her cousin helped as well. So like we've we've got a list to pick from. I figured I'd just pick out a couple because this way we can get to know each other, um, but in perhaps the worst way possible. So I'll just uh, I'll pick a couple out. So the first one I have is uh, what item of clothing would you most want to put on a sloth? <laughs> like. I'm thinking about it. I I think I think the thing I would most want to see a sloth in is like a teeny little bonnet, like the little ones that you see babies wearing in like little house on the prairie where it has like a little little tie around the neck, a little ruffle around the face. I think that would be really precious. I'm I mean, I think I'd give it a fedora so that way it could look like oh, Freddy no. Krueger on some level even though it was just hanging there. Oh no. <laughs> poor poor sloth in a fedora. <laughs> Not a neckbeard sloth. Yeah, because the bonnet's going to improve its appearance so much. <laughs> okay, I mean, I'm not saying it's fashion forward, Don't but it is fashion dreams. fabulous. Uh-huh, that's right. Mm-hmm, okay, fine, I will I will concede. Okay, then we have, uh, what is your favorite conspiracy theory? And I want to clarify, this does not have to be one you believe in, but just the one you enjoy the most. Ooh. Hmm. <sighs> I can go first because yeah, I, you go I first, have one. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. My this one it's so ridiculous but delights me, which is the uh, the theory that Avril Lavigne was actually she actually died um, around the height of her fame, and they didn't want to let her go, so they replaced her with a body double who has been pretending to be Avril Lavigne this entire time. And my favorite part of this theory, my favorite part, is that they got somebody who is not Avril Lavigne but is pretending to be Avril Lavigne to willingly marry Chad Kroger from Nickelback for several <laughs> years and also have like a Christian awakening. And that's the path that their like marketability double went on. Hmm. And it just tickles my fancy in every way. But so like, I think it hits that nice, like middle school nostalgia sweet point. Hmm. 
I'm not really sure. I don't really look into conspiracy. I don't look into conspiracy theories that often. Um, I'm going to have to come back to that because I am not really great with them. (laughs) We can circle back. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. There was one more that I knew I wanted. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, right. Um, In the vein of the, the classics that I mentioned, would you rather be named... Chad or Karen? <laughs> I just want—I want to convey the face of discontent that Moner has right now. <laughs> I think Karen, because I'm sort of classified for being a know-it-all anyway. So then, that way, at least we'd just be getting it out of the way. I'm pretty sure I've been called Karen a few times just for that reason. So, that's fine. How about you? I think I'd go the exact opposite. I think I'd go Chad, because I think it would be fun to, like, defy the stereotype, you know? Like, I am um, not really, like, a swole gym bro, which is what I would associate with the Chad. So, like, I think I could have fun with it. And plus, like, I love, like, a girl named, like, Chuck or something like that. So, I I think I could could have fun with it. I could be a Chad. It would be terrible, but I'd get past it. And right. this was it for the questions? I mean, I have thousands more I could do, but, well, that's the, that's the sampler pack. If you, if you want more, we can do them, but we can save some for next time. Right. <laughs> well, for me personally, I've been noticing that during all this, more people are writing more. A lot of my group is writing more. Um, people have been, have been, like, going back and forth, but I've been seeing a lot of stupid memes since all of this started. Uh, the one that I really think is my favorite is the... Uh, this virus sucks. We wanted zombies, and my response to that has been that the uh, that COVID nineteen is actually the zombie apocalypse, as directed by Christopher Nolan. You know, because <laughs> it's it's just like his Batman series. You know, um, you don't ever get that mystical Rachel Ghoul. You don't get Mister Freeze with the insane, you know, freezing gun, but you do get some sort of comparable, you know, insane bad guy. So, you know, with Bane, I think that would be one of the best and fastest examples. You don't get, you know, some sort of venom toxin. Uh, you get a guy who's who's on anesthetic all the time and he's just insanely strong. And so that's that's actually exactly how this uh, this zombie apocalypse has been feeling, which is that, you know, we're inside and um, there's not really a lot to do. Uh, and it's definitely been. Uh, a reflection on humanity because uh, people have been singing and dancing and making music videos. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, it does remind me. I was looking up. I was looking at this this article. It's an old story, but one that I just heard for the first time. Um, where which they call kind of like the real life version of Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That it was in 1966, I think, there were, was a group of um, young boys from Tonga mm-hmm. who tried to run away from their, their Catholic school that they were at. They stole a boat and got out onto the waves, fell asleep in a storm, eventually ended up washed up mm-hmm. on a deserted island. And everybody was kind of like, okay, so it must have gone to shit, right? Like, we all read Lord of the Flies. No, no, 
it did not. These kids set up a full routine. They right. had a chore schedule. They had a timeout system. They had a. They lived there for sixteen months, fifteen maybe, fifteen or sixteen months. They were on this island. One of the kids broke his leg and they they splinted it. And when they got back to the mainland, doctors were like, I can't believe this healed perfectly. Hmm. So they were taking care of an injured kid. They found like the relics of um, this native civilization that had been forced out by the slave trade. So they started raising domesticated chickens and farming. And I'm like, these kids were like 12 to 15. Like they were doing everything right. And anyway, like, my point is that I think it can be encouraging to see, like, the good things that can come out of people in crisis. Because, like, these kids, too, they would start every day with, like, a song and a prayer. And I'm like, and it's, like, it's nice to see the kind of, like, the comforting rituals we fall back on. The things that we're like, yeah, this will make us feel good in a time of, like, really abject crisis. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess it it's kind of like anything else in life, right? It's you get out of it what you put into it. And then maybe the reason why we see things so pessimistically is that we we imagine it always going to the worst case scenario. And we never imagine yeah. that, you know, bright people of conscience exist and that they'll actually step up. And that is a, a very, a very pleasant surprise, you know? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like to think of myself as like neither an optimist nor a pessimist, but like a realist somewhere in the middle. So because I think that does allow me to envision the worst case scenario, but also be hopeful for some like bright points in there, too, which I think is usually, you know, more realistic. And I think we're seeing a bit of that. So that's that's nice, at least. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to find the bright points. Like, I'm I'm just, I'm pretty content right now because I painted my nails this week for the first time in, like, months. Um, because before, like, my job was very hands-on, so I just wasn't doing it. And then I got into quarantine and was like, well, nobody's seeing me. So I've been basically living in a shirt and no pants. And I'm lucky if I put my hair up for, like, the past month and a half now. But I painted my nails and it just, it felt so nice because I looked down at my hands and I'm like, oh, I'm a fancy lady. I'm put together. I've got my blood red nails and I'm feeling fine. I went so far as to put on lipstick the other day, which is like, if you know me, you know I'm obsessive about lipstick. I have probably hundreds of lipsticks. Um, and it had also been a long time since I had done that. And so I just got to feel like, kind of fancy for a little while and I'm not going to go as far as to be really getting you know dressed for work every day in quarantine which some people say that you should do and I'm like "Mm -mm, I'm going to keep living in my pajamas but it was nice to have like a little moment of like something I did for myself that I could just look down at my hands and be like yeah that's a good thing (laughs) yeah I only get dressed up for quarantine when I'm actually doing real work at my desk I've I definitely have done that. I will actually get into khakis and a polo and sit at my desk. Uh, I've been at home for 10 years. And so I've kind of made that part of my routine because there's kind of a professional phase to one's mm-hmm. life. And then there's a non-professional phase to one's life. So you just, you know, you switch out of your uniform and then you go and you eat your Doritos on the couch. You know? <laughs> so. Yeah, I've heard that's really helpful for some people. I think I'm I am somebody who very much believes in, like, the power of an outfit defining what you're doing, but I'm so much of a homebody that I do everything in the coziest clothes, but Mm. I am a real believer in, like, cultivating the right 
space for doing work. So like making sure that I try to never do work in my bed because I know that never goes well, Mm -hmm. but like really setting up a space that feels good to do work in. So Mm -hmm. like I sit in my favorite chair, I get some nice music going, I light a candle I like define a a kind of space for that work to happen so that it feels nice. And it's a, it's a much nicer way to get things done than just slogging through it and, you know, at your dining room table. Yeah. I think that for those who do stay home and, you know, I I think that right now, if you go stir crazy while you're home, I have news for most of you. If you live into your 60s and your 70s and your 80s, chances are you're going to retire. And then you're either going to have to stop or somebody's going to say to you, you need to stop working because you need to go home or because, you know, you're no longer qualified to work and you're going to have to go home and you're going to have to learn how to slow down anyway. So for me, I think it's better to get into some kind of routine while you're at home. But I have a big secret to it, a really big secret, which is <laughs> make your home like it's a fucking staycation forever and you'll always mm-hmm. be happy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's just something I impart to a lot of people when I write with them. Uh, I love Stephen King. Stephen King would always say, put your desk in the corner of the room. I don't do that. And I love Stephen King, but I will never do that. I make my (laughs) desk as nice looking as possible so that I enjoy fucking working at it. Yeah. I have a coffee corner in my kitchen. I made my coffee corner personalized. It looks like something you would have found maybe like if you go to Salem or, you know, I come from New York. uh, There's, it's actually modeled after a cafe I love called the Witch's Brew. Um, My wife knows. Uh, that's just, you know, that's how I how I chill out. It's just one more thing where your home becomes somewhere where you can really rest your head. And I've had this conversation with a few people um, where they said, you know, what if I don't have a budget? Most of my stuff didn't cost that much. I, I did a yeah. lot of things through improv- improvisation and spray paint. Um, and the other thing is um, I would also say that, you know, it's always just about trying to make your life as happy as you possibly can. Because if you're seeing that you're unhappy at home, you should probably think about that and change that. Because it's your home. It's where you need to recharge. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a baby millennial, a poor baby millennial. So, like, retirement is a real fantasy that I'm not sure I'll ever reach. But I am a huge believer in making your home a place that you love. And I'm very much in support of doing it on the cheap. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I have done a lot of DIY stuff. Like my mom, my sister and I, we were all real, real champions of seeing ratty furniture sitting on the side of the road with like a free sign loosely taped to it. Bring that home, like sand it down, give it a coat of spray paint. And it's great. Like I have... most of the furniture in my room is stuff that was like $10 or less or that I picked up for free from barter and swap groups on Facebook. So like my couch, my table, my TV, my entertainment center, all of that is like cheap or free stuff. And then as far as decoration goes, I like I am somebody who's a huge supporter of like buying art from people and mm-hmm. It's to to the point where it's, you know, financially unwise. I I think I'm a pretty smart spender in many ways, but there are certain like blind pockets in my uh in my perception of my spending. Like I will spend pretty much any amount on food because I'm like it's food, I have to buy it. So I'm not as good at budgeting there. Art is a similar thing where I think I just I know so many artists, I care about so many artists, I care about art so much that like I feel like it's justified expense and I am bad at 
bad at limiting that, so I have a, a unreasonable amount of art for the wall space I have to decorate. But I love getting art pieces that you love that can be stuff you, you know, you actually buy, it can be stuff you make, it can be stuff you cut out from magazines, it doesn't matter. But I just, I go to Goodwill and to thrift stores and stuff and just pick up the cheapest, um, like, glitziest, absurd old lady picture frames I can find. Mm -hmm. If if I feel like it, give them a coat of paint. I have some that I've coated in googly eyes, which is dumb and I love it. Um, just kind of having fun with absurd decor, but then just coating my walls in stuff that I love to see makes such a difference in my atmosphere. Like, it just feels so great to be in a space where even if I'm feeling like shit at any given moment, yeah. I look up and I see something I love. Like, it's an automatic mood boost to be surrounded by things you care about. And it also, like, the important thing about it, too, I think, is some people have a kind of a stick up their ass about decor, about wanting it to be, like, this really refined kind of thing, which, you know, if that's your vibe, great, do you. But I think anything can really be art if it's something you care about. So I have all sorts of stuff mixed together. I am, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, a lot of assorted stuff, and that's kind of my vibe, so it might not work for everybody, but... That's, so some of it is art from video games that I like. Some of it is, you know, posters from TV shows that I like that I, I've just found nice versions of or framed up nicely. A lot of it is like old pictures of that I found at thrift stores back from like the 1800s and 1900s people that I have no idea who they are, but I just mm. love vintage photographs. So it can be whatever kind of eclectic mix of stuff makes you happy to see. Um, oh, also big proponent of doing like pressed flowers and leaves and stuff. I have a little frame with four and five leaf clovers that I found when I was a little kid because I had never found any my whole life. And then in one day, I found three. I found two four leaf clovers and a five leaf clover. Fucking and cool. I put them all in a frame and I still have it. And every time I get this real like moment of childlike glee about it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So live it up. Put the things you love all around you as much as you can. And it's it's easier than you think. There's two ways that I would approach it, right? The first way is your way because I, I like your way. The only thing is that in terms of understanding one's aesthetic, I do feel that it's important to go outside and to explore the world, unfortunately, mm -hmm. at the moment. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> fuck. Right. So the other thing God is it, I have but I haven't I have an alternative for that because I've been stuck inside many years. <laughs> um, my way of doing it is uh, firstly, Pinterest exists for a reason. <laughs> and now oh it's it's God, many, many yeah. years old. Um, there's Pinterest, there's a lot of do-it-yourself projects. Um, it all starts with curiosity. You know, um, a lot of people, they don't know themselves and they don't know what it is that they like. And that's a big mm -hmm. part of any kind of expression. So I would also say that, you know, doing things maybe like going to uh, deviantart.com or art station and sitting there and looking around and looking at maybe landscapes or even nude models or whatever it is that you're into and you know taking that in first and then you know it, it's the same thing like if you were what if you didn't know any kind of music what if you had no musical identity mm -hmm. you know there's places like spotify itunes soundcloud where you could sit there and you could go and you could look around and it's just about finding what it is that vibes best with you and then make a list M making making a list is kind of important because it's easy to lose track 
Um, I have, you know, my wife will always say that there's one thing I do a lot of is image surfing. So I'll be there mm-hmm. doing Google image searches on things that just happen to pop into my mind. And there'll be times I'll just be sitting there and I'll be compiling, you know, different images. And sometimes I don't even know why I'm, you know, why I'm collecting them. Sometimes I'll just sit there and then uh, I come up with story ideas from them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll come up with room decoration ideas from them. Um, it it can be, it's just all about understanding how you connect with something and how you want to use it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Backtracking more to like the back to the kind of interior design side of things uh-huh. but all of that i agree with um i it's been several years since i've been on pinterest but i do a similar thing where i just i save all sorts of photos both just in my photo reel on my phone and folders on instagram whatever i just have all of these saved folders of pictures of spaces of decor of all of these things that i love and so when I'm feeling uninspired or like I'm missing something, I can just go back and look through those kinds of folders and be like, here's a thing that I really liked and, you know, finding a way to recreate that. And I think it's it's you got to be open to having these kind of having fun with it and learning new things with it. Like I have a friend um, right now who he is moving into a new apartment um, and he's kind of in the process of like starting to decorate because he's been in a placeholder apartment after college for a little while and he's moving into his first like nice apartment that he really cares about um and so he wants to decorate his space and make it look nice and he is in a little bit of that place of like well i don't really know how i want to decorate something and it's been so much fun watching him figure that out of <laughs> like every day he's sending me new links of like well how about this thing do i want this thing how about this thing do i want this thing and it is like a trial and error process of figuring out what feels right for you what feels right for your space and also i think being willing to evolve in that mm-hmm. because i mean i'm somebody who has i would say a very developed sense of aesthetics and interior and fashion and whatever like I know what I like. I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I still routinely find new stuff that I'm like, oh my God, I didn't know that was an option, but I love it. Like I, like I, it's actually, uh, I've been finding stuff on TikTok of like, um, like grungy, like wrecked interior design aesthetics that I'm like, oh, maybe I want to put fishnets over all of my furniture. Shabby <laughs> like, chic. Shabby chic is yeah. another one. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, cause like shabby chic, there are things I like, but I taking shabby chic and making it like distressed grunge chic was much more of a development for me where I was like, oh yes, right. here's a new thing. I think my favorite thing is they took a shattered mirror and then hung it back up on the wall, but like with the shattered pieces. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing was shattered. It had big shards, but was hung up like a decorative object. And I was like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like, um, like taking glitter and old light bulbs and doing all, taking stuff that would be refuse, but recognizing it as a beautiful thing. Sure. People which, make like glow jars and stuff that way too. Yeah. So it's mm. stuff like that. I, so have you been helping any of your friends? Have, have you had to help friends out with, uh, with this whole crisis? mental support but not not too much i mean it's everybody's everybody i know is pretty much just locked down and going stir crazy but that's about the extent of it Mm. pretty much everybody is at this point yeah i think so too now i've had i've had friends call me because we have a pretty sizable garden in the backyard and um 
I've been helping friends figure out how to turn their backyards into gardens for the summer because they just want to prepare just in case things mm-hmm. get worse. And um, it's been it's been a lot of conversations about butternut squash, crown prince, pumpkins, Atlantic giants, and uh, I even I even went so far as to go out into my shed the other night and I had to pull out like the garden shears, the the type of shovel we use because one friend they had absolutely no idea what they were doing. <laughs> they were like, okay, so when I get to the Home Depot, what am I buying? And I was just <laughs> like, honey, going out the back, <laughs> taking the camera, <laughs> back in about. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes (laughs) yeah we're not quite there because we're still it's still pretty cold we actually just had a big snowstorm a couple of days ago Mm -hmm. here in maine so nice nice may snowstorm we're actually getting Um, the wind from that right now it's oh hey yeah it's been pleasant yeah (laughs) yeah what fun um but we're not we're not quite at planting but we're getting to the point where we can start like clearing out garden beds and stuff and so it's it's coming and it's a good thing even if you're not like in full you know disaster prepper mode if you're not like thinking of the worst it's nice to have something that helps so you just have to make one less trip to the grocery store as right. well in the interim yeah. so i think it's a pretty pretty smart idea if you have the space and think about things you can grow inside too like if you have if you mm-hmm. don't have an outdoor space or if you have a balcony or something there it's easy to grow stuff like lettuces or strawberries in really shallow containers grow some herbs radishes um, radishes have a mm-hmm. 25 day turnaround uh, I had to learn all of that stuff from my friends. It was, it's been really crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, I was looking at wheatgrass. Wheatgrass has uh, mm-hmm. seven to ten days, I think. I think after like ten days, it starts to seed again. And um, and then, of course, spirulina. Spirulina is something where it's an algae, though. So if you want your mm-hmm. house to sound like a fucking mad scientist lab from the 50s, you grow spirulina. But you need, like, a very large tank to do it. But it's, it's like a superfood. <laughs> I've eaten it before dry. Um, I will say, oh, if you no. don't like fish, yeah, <laughs> I'll eat it. That, see, that's my wife's reaction, too. My wife's reaction is there's no way in hell I'm eating that. I'm no, thinking... I like I like seaweed taste, but there's some things like I'm just like I I would rather enjoy my food. <laughs> right. No. This well, and the the thing is, you're only growing that in the in the worst case scenario. Right? Yeah. Where you really can't go out. So, um, it's just a lot of stuff. Where I had I asked a lot of preppers, and I'm going to be honest. If I was mm-hmm. a prepper right now, I would probably have the world's biggest shit eating grin. <laughs> um, and they've they've been very very humble, and they're actually much more concerned with helping people. Um, and I'd be helping people too if I was a prepper, but every once in a while I'd let like an I told you so slip out, but I'd be like whispering, I'd be like, I told you so. What was that? What was that, Mona? Uh-huh. uh-huh. What? What? Did you say something, mm-hmm. Mona? No. Oh, no, dude. You must, it must have been the wind. I told you so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've had those small feelings as, as a general introvert and somebody who's always been like, God, I wish I could just stay home and... I, I do feel like I'm living my truth a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> Wish granted. And, yeah, exactly. And I'm not a, an all-out disaster prepper, but, you know, in, in a rural area in Maine where, you know, you expect sto- snowstorms and stuff, you have to be able to bunker for a while. So we have a lot of food stores and stuff. So it hasn't felt too unnatural, you know? Um, right. So I... I think there are people who are obviously better prepared than than I am, but I'm doing pretty good, all things considered, I think. I think that there's always, I think that if there's one thing that this experience has taught me, it's that we can always learn more. Because mm-hmm. I, I had sort of like closed off that part of my life. I'm not going to lie. Um, I had a copy of like Max Brooks's World War Z downstairs, and that was as far as I got. I never got to the, the, you know, the zombie survival <laughs> guide or any of that other stuff. 
Uh, but once this started, um, I will say there's one book I can definitely recommend that's been keeping me entertained, if nothing else, is The Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse by Lauren Wilson. I believe it was published in 2014. And it is beautiful. It's illustrated. And uh, it's actually filled with, uh, you know, even cooking recipes for what you would do if you were, if you were, you know, living through the zombie apocalypse. And, you know, the, the evidence kind of leans towards the fact that something like this could happen again in the future. Mm -hmm. And then, well, you know, this has been kind of uncomfy for everybody, uh, to say the least. And then I guess the question is, well, what would we do the next time it happened? I mean, I, I'm not one who's going to live in a world of cynicism. I'm just not. I'm already cynical mm-hmm. enough. I don't need. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to add more to it. But I will say that I think that it's better to, you know, inform oneself and educate oneself rather than rather than stumble through it blindly, because then the next time, you know. Um, the people who are the preppers who that I've met, they come out of, you know, they come out of farming communities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I would say that knowledge of agriculture is nothing to sneeze at. You know, it's definitely something where, you know, we, you know, the people who are masters of agriculture are the people who are going to survive this. And so I would say that, you know, there's, there's something to be said for learning to grow your own tomatoes indoors, learning to grow whatever it is that you like to eat indoors so that mm-hmm. at least, you know, you know what to do if there really should ever be an emergency. So I think that that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And I mean, I'm also from an area that's pretty agricultural. Like I have a lot of friends, like family friends who have farms, whether that's, you know, agriculture in terms of, you know, crops or whether that's animals. Like I have, we have good close family friends with a, a big goat farm, um, which is great. I just had goat cheese in my eggs this morning. Nice. Delicious. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I am in an area where, you know, growing stuff is pretty normalized. That's something I just grew up doing. But I know for a lot of people who, you know, I, city slickers grew up, grew up in an apartment. It is, it is a foreign thing, but it's not as unapproachable as you might think it is. And I think it is. Like, it's a good thing to dabble in. I mean, I think this is a a good time to develop skills. Like, I'm somebody who, in general, like, theory, it's very important to me that I can be self-sufficient. Like, I'm the kind of person who needs to know that, like, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, I'll be able to take care of myself. Um, And that applies in a lot of ways to, like, personal relationships, but also in the practical sense of, like, survival. So while I'm not saying you have to be entirely self-sufficient right now, this is a pretty cool time to try to learn a new skill, whether that's, you know, if you're missing a piece of furniture and you want to try building something, if you're, uh, if you've got some electrical project you need to rewire, whatever it is, maybe try figuring it out. If you've got the, got the time, you've got the space and resources are usually pretty available for many, many things like that. I mean, the things I've learned to do from a YouTube tutorial, as always, are astounding. Um, so, yeah, try to try to learn a new skill. It's good. Makes you feel good. Makes me feel good anyway. So live it up. <laughs> Any new music coming out of this for you? Um, I would say I f- think it's less new music and more me returning to stuff that I like. I think that's been the theme. Like, mm-hmm. I have several media recommendations I can talk about. And I know you do, too. Most of mine, I think, are or return to stuff that I find pretty comforting. Um, 
so the the music I've been listening to a lot, there's a, a guy named Louis Zong who does a lot of music that I really enjoy. I know his stuff is on Spotify, but I most listen, mostly listen to it on YouTube. Um, he posts all of his albums for free on there. Um, but he does a lot of like kind of electronic stuff that he he puts together that's very like lo-fi lo-fi inspired but riffs on a lot of different musical concepts he's a, a guy that i really like because he does um a lot of talking about he so he puts out his own music but he also talks about music a lot so he put he put out a video a little while ago talking about some of the the music in animal crossing and what's interesting about how they do that he puts up um, videos about classic jazz, talking about chord progressions. And so even though the music he puts out tends to be pretty like um, fun and boppy and can seem innocuous at first glance, mm -hmm. you can hear a lot of intelligent thought that went into making that. Like he's a really well-informed guy musically, which I like seeing. Um, he's also a great animator, which I love. So he does animations for a lot of his own stuff. He got pretty popular for uh, his ghost chorus videos a little while ago. It's mm -hmm. these little synthy ghosts singing along to, to songs. It's very cute animation. My favorite song by far is um, Thumbnail uh, by Louis Zong with Brian David Gilbert, which I adore. It's my favorite. I've listened to it hundreds of times. Um, that's like my happy place song right now. What about you? Um, well, I've been listening to an, an assortment of new and old. I'm still, I still have the gonk on ukulele looping <laughs> over the waves of Sand Beach, which has been putting me to bed and waking me up for the last few now couple months. Um, uh, the Rolling Stones put out Living in a Ghost Town, which feels a lot like the specials Ghost Town from Shaun of the Dead. And then uh, rapper Hobson put out COVID Mansion, and I think that's the biggest <laughs> song of the moment. Uh, I, I definitely believe Hi My Friend is going to be a t-shirt, and I definitely hope that by October we get a skeletal version of a right hand pointing to a cream bottle labeled to Night Night Land, you know? Um yeah, I really, Moner has been passionate about the, the COVID song by Hobson. I, I'm chronically bad at checking my messages, and I think you've sent me that one three times mm -hmm. until I finally listened to it. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're a real evangelist for him. <laughs> you should listen to this. This is actually going to be good. I did. I <laughs> did. I normally float between playlists I've put together before and then, you know, stuff that comes out of video games. Right now, mm -hmm. Resident Evil 3 was remade again, and that was a big thing for my teens. So uh, Resident Evil 2, I played with my older brother, and then Resident Evil 3, I played the next Christmas. Uh, I beat it, in, I think, in one day, uh, in one sitting, and then I mm -hmm. ended up like, I was like, okay, Mom, we're exchanging this for another video game. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> But I always loved the music from it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I majorly stopped playing console video games when I was about 20. And the last video game I played before retiring, you know, my console uh, was Luigi's Mansion on the Nintendo Aww. GameCube, um, which I, which, you know, now I've, I've come out of retirement because my wife bought a Nintendo Switch and me and Nina are playing Luigi's Mansion 3 now. Hell yeah. Um, but in between all that time, between college and everything else, I played a lot of stuff on Newgrounds because Newgrounds always put out amazing free Flash video games. And so I'm going to put links to those games in the description of this episode as well. We're going to give you a bunch of free shit that you can use to keep yourself entertained <laughs> today. 
Um, I also used to play Don Pixel's Trick or Treat Beat, which I also highly recommend. If you're a horror fan and you have not played Don Pixel's Trick or Treat Beat, you should go out there, Google that shit, and then make sure you download it and keep it and hold it close to your heart forever, like in a USB necklace, because <laughs> like that's the thing you want to die playing if you're a true Halloween fan. Absolutely. And Safe Room, you said, comes from Resident Evil, right? Yeah, Safe Room comes from Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. the safer music is, is has always been something where it's calming and everybody always feels very safe because they can't be attacked in the safe room. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good thing. We'll, we'll try to cultivate that space. I like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, as far as video games go, I'm, of course, still mostly playing Animal Crossing. I, um. <laughs> I, w- I will say, though, that for, for Resident Evil, if you're a fan of that, mm-hmm. uh, I'm also a fan of... A channel that doesn't get nearly enough uh, support. If you're a fan of 80s music or synthwave, uh, there mm. is a channel called New Wave Retro. And there's a lot of famous people on it, like Luer Verte and The Midnight and another artist whose name is actually Trevor Something. And they're all really <laughs> good. Uh, they're great singers. Uh, there's even a Nina. Nina sings as well. Um, there's just a lot of great singers on there. And um, they have, on that channel, they have a cover of the option music from Resident Evil 3. And I, I, I got to admit, it couldn't be better timed because it is <laughs> definitely, um, it's definitely got that, that beautiful, solemn beat to it. And it's, to me, it's, it's, one, it's been one of those COVID kind of anthems that will always be in a playlist for me from now on. And the new wave, the new wave mix of that is really cool. So I also I would also recommend that. But uh, yeah. So what do they have Very for nice. Animal Crossing for the music? I, I wanted to say <laughs> that if if Animal Crossing's music, if you like that, um, I know that Trent Reznor put out another edition of his Ghosts. I don't remember what the name of the exact name of the album is. I'll put it into the into the description as well but there was ghosts one through four i believe uh he put it out years ago uh, and um he just put out another installation to it um it is something where it's it's not like his usual work it's very tonal um he's also a, a musical genius he's someone where you can listen to his tones and hums and loops all day long Mm-hmm. And you and you never get bored. It's just this beautiful music where you can zone out to it, and you can also listen to it and just be perplexed by it at the same time. So it's it's also very calming. So if you get a chance, I would also, you know, stop on over to wherever Reznor's putting it out and get his his ghosts while it's out there. Yeah, and Animal Crossing, I will say. So there's a, a similarly comforting. Um, there are two different paths that the music kind of takes. So there's uh, you can get albums in game that you can play on your little stereo and stuff, and they're all um, they're all sung by K.K. Slider, the dog with the guitar, who's the the local celebrity in Animal Crossing. So they're all turned into kind of BBEs where it's a little like kind of talk instead of instead of words but so they have all sorts of musical styles in there you can get the rockabilly album you can get the like one that sounds like it's from the mountains in peru you can get all sorts of different musical styles Ah. but the the thing that i really love about animal crossing music is that as you're running around in your town doing whatever you do 
there is a new song for every single hour of the day. So like the bell will toll for the top of the hour and then a new musical theme starts that just kind of loops in the background for the entire hour. Um, and they do a new set of ones for each game. It's a little bit of a different mood for each time of day, which I think is really nice. Um, but one of the things that I really want to recommend is that if that's something you like, if that's like kind of comforting background music for, for you, like it is for me, there are all sorts of websites and several uh, plugins for Chrome, I know as well, that keep that stored. So you can just have that plugin going and it'll play the appropriate hours music for your day. So you can be sitting there doing your work and when it switches from three to four, you'll switch from the three o'clock soundtrack to the four o'clock soundtrack and they have them for different iterations of the game. So, you know, if Wild World was your favorite one back on the original Nintendo DS, you can get the get the soundtrack for that and have that be, you know, the backdrop of your, your day when you're going around doing stuff that isn't Animal Crossing. Sounds very calming. So, also, yeah, it's a I... very calming thing. I'm also a fan of um, Steve Jablonski's music, and he is more famous for his work on the Transformers score. <laughs> uh, so, like, imagine, yeah, he has these, like, if you've ever looked up his name, you know, one of the things that will probably come up first is, like, Scorpionok, where it's just this very, <laughs> very hardcore, heavy music, uh, very heavy orchestra. Um, but he also did the music for The Sims, uh, the free Sims that's really? on, on, on the iPhone or on the iPod on iOS. And um, yeah, that's amazing. He actually has a song. I think it's Build By 2 that I usually do my house chores to. Or I was, I should say, <laughs> Build By is what I was doing my house chores to before all of this started. I've always used to do mm-hmm. that. That is probably what I will return to. When this all passes, and I will yep. always keep the gonk on ukulele as a, as a in, in case of pandemic, open me mm-hmm. again. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I love that. I'm I adore soundtrack music, whether it's film or video game. Um, but by far my most listened to thing. It's it's actually funny. I know I've told you this, um, but. You know how at the end of the year, Spotify puts out their, like, Spotify wrapped. What have you been listening to kind of thing? Right. Um, and when that came out uh, earlier, uh, whenever the last time it came out was, I was at work and all of my coworkers were like, oh, wow, like, mine's kind of embarrassing. It has all of this, like, you know, pop punk music that I listened to back in high school. And they were all kind of, like, tittering about it. And they're like, what is yours like? And I was like, oh, because <laughs> mine is entirely... The Dragon Age soundtrack, the Dragon Age Inquisition soundtrack, the Dragon Age 2 soundtrack, right, and the Dragon right. Age Origin well, soundtrack. I, I, I want to say something right here, right now. Mm-hmm. If you're somebody who listened to fucking video game music all the time and you got shit for it, fuck those people, okay? Because <laughs> I used to listen to Castlevania music all the time, and all my fellow Castlevanians out there, I'm with you. And fucking Symphony of the Night had the baddest soundtrack of all. Anybody that says anything otherwise, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, no, okay? No, I don't actually have a shame about about it it just was uh it depends on you got to know your audience and it was but it was really freaking funny when i was like swiping through it gives you all the the kind of screens of like here's your top artist here's your top song and every single one it was like who's your top artist it's Einon Zerk, composer of dragon age 2 what's your top album the dragon age inquisition soundtrack what's your top, <laughs> top song the dragon age 2 theme <laughs> Like, every single one. I think, like, maybe Hozier made it to, like, one tiny little blip in there that was back to Dragon Age. 
I use my Spotify for like one thing and one thing only. But that is that is my great backdrop music because you get all sorts of different thematic moments. So there's the more soothing stuff that can be like while I'm writing or while I'm chilling out. But it is also my workout music. So if I'm ever doing something that is not like a, a guided video with a trainer... I'll put that on because there is nothing more inspiring to me than sweeping epic like battle music when you're trying to work out. Because if I can imagine that I'm kicking an orc's ass instead of just like sweating sadly in my own room, it makes the experience a hell of a lot better. <laughs> I think I think I know what the comparable uh, album was to this back when mm. I was in high school, and mm-hmm. that is Vagrant Story, as put out by Squaresoft many years ago. Vagrant Story okay. had an amazing soundtrack like that. I still have tracks from that as well. I think Factory is the one that looped the most in my iTunes back then. And I will say that if this is what you're into, there is a film, uh, a different kind of uh, apocalypse film. It's called Reign of Fire with Christian Bale and Matthew McConaughey uh, when they were younger and hotter and way more amazing. shirtless. Uh, it's basically that I think it was Christian Bale as a child accidentally wakes up a dragon and it's what the world would be like if dragons actually woke the fuck up, which is Hell not like yeah. which is not like the never ending story uh, unless the never ending story is covered in ashes. And uh, it is terrifying because what oh ends up happening God. is you got to if you want to fucking kill a dragon, a good luck and B, mm-hmm. um, you have to skydive from a plane and try and kill the fucking thing. Oh the coolest thing ever i I love dragons so so. much now what is this called reign of fire if you're putting up memes and you're like this virus sucks we wanted zombies i have some bad news for you um you already have zombies they're the ones that are going to the protests and saying that their rights are being impinged and possibly spreading the disease they're just a different type of zombie now Mm -hmm. if you want a virus with 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 dragons i'm i'm sorry that's that's not available right now Oh my god, come on. If I have to go somehow, I'd like to go as a dragon hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> that's, that's, I want to go out in that blaze of glory. No, well, since you're talking well, about movies, do you be, have any like. Well, will it be a blaze hmm? of glory or an hors d'oeuvre? You only really have one or two. I would like, I think I should be flambéed before I'm eaten, clearly. I see. Yeah, a little like you would toast a marshmallow. Uh-huh. It's me, I'm the marshmallow. That's nice. That's nice. <laughs> so, speaking of movies, do you have any like TV or movies that have been nice during this time i mean nice no um, everybody else is like every everybody else even in fright club oh my god moner come play animal crossing with us and i'm just shuddering and like no no i am yeah, the are dark. You just, you're just retreating further into dire shit in case you've ever wondered yet yeah, like i am that meme where there's a bat that's like i am the darkness oh you want cuddles i can do cuddles oh, but i am the darkness okay so um I'm still sitting there and I'm like, um, yeah, I'm watching, I was watching the Resident Evil 3 remake as a, as a, mm-hmm. as sort of as a movie. Uh, I even sent that out to other Fright Clubbers who were like, please save us from Animal Crossing. <laughs> Moner, deliver us from Animal Crossing. And I was like, here's a link, here's a link, here's a link. So what I've been watching is, let's see, uh, other than the stuff I've been watching for our show, um... Uh, because I've been doing a lot of writing, because I have to do a lot of writing. Um, the other thing has been watching my favorite horror video games as YouTube films. Mm-hmm. So my favorites are, and please don't crucify me if I lose one fans because I'm getting older and I forget shit. 
Um, the ones that I'm most into right now, not all time. We'll do another episode where we do that, I guess. Um, Resident Evil 2's remake, I liked a lot, and I watched the, you know, I watched like the the ten hour version of that. I watched Claire and Leon's story. Um, I prefer Claire's, uh, in case anybody's wondering. Uh, and then I went on to the Resident Evil 3 remake uh, with Nemesis, and that is definitely uh, my favorite Resident Evil remake so far out of the entire series. Um, I really loved how realistic Jill Valentine's personality was. I loved where, um, for those of you who don't know, there is a golem, a zombie golem that is more or less programmed to hunt and kill her. And at one point in the original story, like it hunts her down and she can't curse or anything back in like, you know, in the late nineties. And, and, you know, that was boring because you couldn't really get her real reactions. But when Nemesis is stumbling out like Frankenstein on fire and falls in the river, she remarks, bitch can't even swim. And I really, I was like, <laughs> oh, Jill is like me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, that would have been me too. And when Nemesis springs out of the water, um, all creature from the Black Lagoon like and ten times worse, the way that she screams would have also been me. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, there was there was a lot to take in there. I, I enjoyed it greatly. Um, I've been watching those two, and the mm-hmm. thing that I've been working out to has been Red Dead Redemption's Undead Nightmare soundtrack, which is, for those of you who do not know, uh, Red Dead Redemption came out a few years ago. It was a cowboy video game, and then they had downloadable content where they had a zombie story, and I've always really enjoyed the soundtrack to that, so I've been exercising to it, and then I've also been watching the movie for that too and sending it to um, people in my writing group, and I think that that's also been a lot of fun uh, mm-hmm. for everybody because it's 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 mostly slapstick uh, <laughs> cowboy jokes with zombies. So oh, I've yeah. been I've been zombieing out because that just feels like it. I've been listening to different remixes of uh, Kerncraft 400. That's another thing. Well, as far as TV goes, I will say the thing that's been really hitting the spot for me currently. I, like I'm somebody who I love a good detective show. I love a good procedural. I'm especially a fan of like British procedural dramas. And there are all sorts of great ones. Like, there are ones that are really intense, like Broadchurch and stuff, that I can look at and be like, amazing, great, love it. But that is not always the the headspace I want to be in. So especially when I'm looking for something a little more soothing, what I've hit on now that is my perfect sweet spot is Midsummer Murders. This show went on for a bajillion seasons, started, I think, in 1997, And it is all free on Pluto TV right now. So I've been starting from the beginning and working my way through. It's a series that it's very formulaic in a comforting way. Every episode takes place in a small pastoral English village of them like plotting through and solving a murder. It's a great one, too, because a lot of murder shows, it's like, there's one murder you spend the episode trying to solve it they have no time for that in this show firstly each episode is like two hours long it's like each one is basically like its own mini movie but each one it starts with a murder and you're like great i've got it five more people die throughout the episode (laughs) it never stops with one murder it's always multiple murders not feeling a lot of progress here (laughs) 
mean, they always solve it in the end. Um, but it has, like, all of the elements I really like, where, like, the head detective is grounded with a loving family relationship. They go and, like, get tea with their friends partway through. And so even though there's a lot of, you know, terrible murder and the stuff I love to see, it still feels like a relatively positive environment for me. So mm -hmm. it's a very soothing, like, that's my evening wind-down show right now. So I spend my day and then after my whole family goes to sleep and I am nocturnal as I usually am, I'll sit down with my cup of tea and uh, pop on Midsummer Murders and watch a lovely scenic English murder for a while. And it's been really, really lovely and soothing in that way that only a murder can be. Uh, I did my first Kickstarter order in forever on a board mm -hmm. game. Uh, a few years ago, there was Vampire the Masquerade Heritage, and I didn't get on that bus because I wasn't sure about it. But then a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the Kickstarter announced that there was going to be a board game based on John Carpenter's They Live. So I plunked down 48 pounds and uh, <laughs> invested in They Live Assault on Cable 54. And the reason why... I put my money down is because in the movie you need sunglasses to see the truth and you can't play this game without the retro 80s sunglasses. Oh my god. And therefore I will probably be playing as Keith David's character. Uh, I do wish that they had a Bowfinger expansion for this because for any of you who pay attention to horror movies and comedy you'll know that Eddie Murphy and Steve Martin later made a movie called Bowfinger which is blatantly riffing on They Live. I would definitely recommend that the uh, producers of that board game make a Bowfinger expansion as well. I definitely think it would be a, a good idea. Yeah, so. hopefully your pledge will get them the support they need That's to come right. back for round the, two. The dice comes. The dice is uh, really cool. It, you know, the saying is uh, Roddy Piper comes into a bank with a shotgun. And he says, "I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass, and I am all out of bubble gum." And so the dice actually either has chew bubble gum or kick ass as an option. And that was the other thing that sealed it for me. It was just this mindless testosterone bravado. I was like, oh my God, this is too stupid not to buy. So I was like, just shut up and take my money. Yeah, it was great. Absolutely delightful. The thing I like about board and card games is that they don't run out of battery, right? If we have a blackout, mm -hmm. God forbid... Um, I'm really happy that, you know, I have decks of cards that I can play with and, and those are the things yeah. that I do because I'm a nerd. And they also like metaphorically never run out of batteries either because it's something where it's a different game every single time you play, depending on the group of people you're playing with and, you know, just the chance of the game. So mm -hmm. there are things that can be a comfortable thing to return to, but also it's a new experience every single time you do it, which is, you know, what makes a, an experience good usually. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, there are two games that I would recommend in case people want to play with their friends and they're not able to meet up with them in a traditional manner. Um, mm -hmm. Because we've been doing this on Skype with my writing group. We've tried to get Werewolf off the ground a few times. It hasn't always taken, but I know it's possible. So I'll, um, mm -hmm. Werewolf is, or Mafia, is a, is a fairly yeah. popular game. There are there are now, I think there's five or six variations put out by different companies. Yeah. Uh, and there's so many like iterations and rule sets that you can find online for it too. Mm -hmm. And essentially what I would do is you have one person host and they send out 
who's a werewolf and who's a villager and then they simply keep track right or you know you, mm-hmm. you take the role play chart and then you just you know, i am it privately to each person on skype or zoom or whatever uh and then the other game in case that's you know too complicated for you to keep track of or you don't have six people if you're like stuck with four people there is a game that's called win lose banana uh win lose banana is pretty simple uh there's three cards win lose and banana imagine that and so you (laughs) and the way the game works in real life is you deal the three cards face down and then the win card tries to find the banana card and if they find each other uh they each get a point so what happens is the win card announces that they are the winner and then the other two have to keep their their identity secret and they say that they're they claim that they're the banana so one is actually the banana and one is not and what this in, what this ends up becoming uh is if you have eight or nine people and you give the rest of them blank cards you have an entire table of people talking about how big and amazing their banana is it's totally <laughs> It's it's something clearly where, a game for mature people. Yes, yes, it is. It's definitely an amazing game to watch. Just watching people talk about their amazing, humongous banana all freaking day long. Um, so those are the two. Uh, for my writing group, uh, we're horror writers. So in case anybody doesn't know about it, and you're a horror fan, there is uh, there there are drawings of a xenomorph coming out of a banana, and we call it a banalian, B-A-N-A-L-I-E-N. And so I play a variation on that, which is called Win Lose Banalian. So that's what I do, and you, I'm sure you can go out there and find all the illustrations of banalian, or you can draw your own and have fun with that, and then say, like, look at my banalian, everybody, and it's the same rules. So, uh, you know, while you got those two things, you can you can play either of those. And I'm sure that'll last, you know, at least for a few nights of fun. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. What more can you ask for? Don't don't games are going on. Don't ask me that question. I can find so much to demand. Are you kidding me? Don't ask me what else I can ask for. Don't ask me that. True enough. (laughs) Sorry. So sorry. No, but while you're talking about games, we've been doing a hell of a lot of puzzles in my house, which has been great. I mean, I know a lot of people have been doing puzzles to the point where Amazon is like nearly sold out of puzzles, um, or at least the ones you can get through Prime. Everybody's selling out of puzzles, which is something I I, I think nobody could have predicted as of like three months ago. Um, But puzzles have been really fun. I've also been on a real trivia jam, so... My my family, um, save my sister, who has no time for us and our boring adult activities, uh, <laughs> has been, <laughs> we've been doing um, trivia almost every night. So, I mean, you can pick and choose your favorite. We've been doing um, uh, Jimmy Carr, British comedian, who's... No, mixed bag in his own right, but does good trivia. Um, but he has been putting out the the little tiny quiz of the lockdown on his YouTube channel. So every single day he puts out a new 10-question quiz. Um, and we're generally, at least I am generally abysmal at it, uh, because A, I am a child who doesn't know a lot of old references. I mean, the man running this is, I think, 47, and I'm 25. So there's, you know, 20 years missing in the middle. And also, some of the references are a little British for me to get. (laughs) But it's been really fun. So, you know, my mom, my dad, and I, we sit down. We do that almost every evening. 
and uh, go through our answers, and that's been fun. But what we've also been doing is um, making up trivia for each other, too. My grandma started this, which was really great. So my grandmother, who is... Um, she likes, you know, she likes a good card game. I would not normally describe her as, like, the game's master type, but, uh, she was hanging out with, um, my family in New Jersey, so my aunt and uncle and cousins and stuff, and on a whim, she started, she decided to make up some music trivia. She's, like, a total music buff. She loves all sorts of music, so she picked a theme and made up clues for all these different songs, so we had to guess, uh, by every answer was somebody's name, whether it was somebody's name in the song, like who the song was about or the artist or something, and would give us clues about it because this is, you know, what she was passionate about. And so she gave it to my family there, but then started sending us like batches of questions so the family could talk about them and we would text back our answers. And then she would send me back like gifts of surprised Pikachu when we actually got things right. (laughs) So it was like such a silly thing, but she had so much fun with it. And she was like, well, you know, like if you guys liked it, I guess I could do more and I'm like yeah by all means she goes okay I think I've come up with a new theme so now we're like trying to come up with trivia questions for her so we can kind of reciprocate and it's been a really like silly fun thing to find like the 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 bits of knowledge that are really relevant to you and create become you know become your own games master create your trivia pack to send out to your friends and family so it's been it's been a fun fun pastime during these quiet weeks yeah, I definitely think that having different games and different variations is healthy. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. definitely the best thing that one can have. And yeah, that's that also sounds really awesome. So Yeah. Yeah, it needs absolutely no tech, but right. it's very rewarding. Well, we hope that this was helpful or useful in some way to you guys. Uh, you can always shoot us an email in case you have any questions or comments. Uh, please like and subscribe. Um, yeah, and also if there are any like questions you want us to answer, I mean, we're we're not exactly a and A podcast, but like we've got the time, so right. <laughs> so At we can address moment, stuff in here too. If you ever wanted yeah. to ask, now would definitely be the time. Yeah, so we're gonna put links to the everything that we were talking about uh, down below in the description. And in the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, be responsible, practice safe mm-hmm. social distancing when possible. That rhymes. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, very nice. Ended it out on rhyme. How we love to do it. (laughs) Till next time, guys. Bye. Bye.